Welcome to Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Yeah, it really is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of my guest's favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom they have to offer. Today I sit down with Samantha Wan and we throw back some scotch. Samantha is a filmmaker currently based out of Toronto. Alongside Amanda Joy, she created and starred in Omni and City TV's comedy series Second Gen, which was nominated for a Canadian Screen Award and has successfully run for three seasons now. At just 23 years old, Samantha became one of the youngest creators to have a primetime series in Canada. She was commissioned by Omni TV to create its first original digital series, Sudden Master, a kung fu series that went on to earn numerous awards around the world. Outside of acting in her own projects, you may recognize Samantha as Zoe Chow from Private Eyes or Kathy from CBC's Run the Burbs. More recently, Samantha has set her sights on directing, picking up director credits in both TV and film. She directed half of the final season of her series Second Gen and was the director behind the digital series Lady Ada's Secret Society earning her an award for Best Director at the Sydney Web Festival and a nomination for Best Director at the NYC Starable Film Festival this year. Samantha also directed the TV movie Love at Sky Gardens and the Hallmark movie Road Trip Romance, both of which are available to watch in Canada and the US. So Samantha is an actor, a director, and someone I admire immensely. Hi, Samantha, officially. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, oh, and I, I didn't even mention while we were getting set up, but I do have my my little drink. I yeah. wore a shirt to match it. I just realized. It's I so love lovely. I know. I was like, what a cool shirt for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I put it on. I'm like, do I look very uptight? Like, this is my first time meeting Samantha. I want to seem cool. <laughs> and then I realized I matched the drink, which is. I don't, I'm not cool at all. So it's totally. It's totally, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's totally I, fine. Oh, I had such a journey researching you, Samantha. I truly did. I went into like, like full inferiority complex. And then I was like, why am I, why am I comparing myself? That's not what Samantha would want anyway. And then I was like, well, she's just so lovely. Look, she's even more evolved. I went into a full and (laughs) fell in love with you Uh, anyway. So I think you're very cool. I th- uh, thanks yeah. so, so much. Uh, I go down that rabbit hole all the time. <laughs> fun fucking rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cheers to the coolness of you before uh, we get started here. And the coolness of you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Samantha. Thanks for coming. Okay. Oh my God. I turned off oh. my heat because I knew this would warm me up. Oh, mm. smart. I haven't had, I haven't had just a, like a neat whiskey or scotch in like so long. And I'm like, oh man. And I haven't been drinking lately, so this might take yeah. me. <laughs> well, you know what? You take as small sips as you want. You start drinking water if you want, or you lean into it if you want. This is a safe space. I yeah. all I want to do is take care of you. So you, I actually might get some water. I just realized I took one sip and I was like, "You need water." <laughs> yes, <laughs> grab some water. Actually, yes, you need you, water. I was on also the side. told you're supposed to put a little bit of water to open up the flavor of the whiskey in, and I forgot about that bit. Ooh, I know. people are fancy, and like not me. I'm not people. That's why I said people are fancy. People are fancy. <laughs> okay, I am back with my creaky chair, my water. I love. And you have like the official ice cubes. I was pouring ice cubes in, being like, "Oh God, I'm." If I believed in hell, I was. I would be going there. <laughs> 
These are full water ice cubes. No, but some people really like, no, I think it's legit to like it on ice because I like, I just put a bit of water in mine because it opens mm-hmm. up the flavor. So it's, I think it's a legit thing to like. Yeah. I, to like I just have cubes. like, I'm going to have a delayed opening up of the flavor. Mm-hmm. This is probably the way that you should do it. Okay. So, oh, Samantha, I'm so excited to talk to you. I truly am. Okay. <laughs> and I have so many lovely things, lovely things. I have so many things I would like to ask you Please about your do. lovely life and lovely career and lovely person that you are. <laughs> okay. okay. So first thing is uh-huh. myself as an actor in Canada, I find myself often romanticizing pilot season, like in oh, the yeah. States. Uh-huh. And I was listening to a podcast and you're like, yeah, I was actually just in, in the States for pilot season. So for, okay. So I guess first for people listening and watching, what is, could you say what pilot season is? And then what has been your experience of pilot season? I have never been, and I just yeah. romanticize it. Yeah, yeah. So a pilot season. So wait, are we? Wow, I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be really good. I'm like, <laughs> am I explaining what pilot season is first or just my experience of it? Yeah, what? Yeah, so you know what? Why don't I not ask you to do the work? I realized me asking you to say what pilot season is, is because I was like, oh my God, what if I explain it? And what if she's like, "Mm, that's actually wrong. And that was my own fear. So I'm going to explain what it is as somebody who's never been. And then as someone who has been, you tell me what your experience is and please correct me. I'm already like what your experiences of this. Okay, great. Um, So for listeners and viewers from an actor in Canada who has never been to pilot season, this is what it is. Pilot season is the time in the U.S., Um, And I'm going to specifically say L.A. when they cast all of the pilots, which are like the the theoretically first episodes of new TV shows that they are hoping will then get picked up to actual TV shows. So someone will pitch a show to a network. They'll say, great, here's some money to make one episode. And they make the one episode. And let's say there's like 100. And then they go make those 101 episodes. And then the network decides, eh, we'll we'll make just 10 of these go through to be actual TV shows and the other 90 go get sad and drink scotch. Is that kind of, that's right. Like, yeah, that's it. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So that's also a time <laughs> where then like pilot season's really busy for actors, hopefully, because it's when they're auditioning for all of those 100 pilots. It doesn't mean they're all going to get the TV shows, but you're auditioning for all the first episodes of potential TV shows. Mm-hmm. So okay. my experience of pilot season was I arrived and my agents were like, oh, there's no such thing as pilot season anymore. What? <laughs> I, was oh, like, no. I was like, good, 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 good. I, you know, subletted my place, <laughs> came all the way out, got this one for pilot season that doesn't exist anymore. You even got, you even went, because that's what I was going to ask you. Like, yeah. so the O1 is the O1 visa, which is basically where you can go over to the States and it's an, it's a visa you can get for like a, a special skill. So you, it's kind of the only one to get for acting. And then you can only for everyone to understand when you go over there on an O1 visa for acting, you can only get paid to act. You cannot go and like work as a waitress at a restaurant. Um, and it's a lengthy, lengthy and expensive process. So you went through that whole thing, got the O1 visa. Yeah. And it was like it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I'm like, it's no. so funny. I love that the visa is called alien of extraordinary talent. That is what <laughs> that is what the visa is called. You are an alien of extraordinary talent. You have to prove why you are an extraordinary alien. <laughs> to go to the US. Oh my god, add that to your resume. Just yeah, so right? you know, I'm an alien of extraordinary talent. Yeah, I was like yeah. that's really my claim to fame right now. Um <laughs> and I so okay, the reason why pilot season doesn't exist really as much anymore is because of streamers. 
Mm. So it used to be that pilot season was, you know, end of February, March, April, because of when networks were going to be releasing shows, right? So they they want to do like that fall release kind of mm. thing um, or the summer release and the, these kinds of things. So that was the time of year when broadcasters were looking for shows because they have very specific release times in the year. But because actually a majority of buyers now are streamers and streamers do not follow the same kind of schedule, pilot season is all year. And so it started, it, it started spreading out. It wasn't um, like I was talking to um, friends in the business who were going like a couple years before me. And they're like, yeah, it used to be crazy. You'd go back to back doing tons of pilots. And, you know, like I could be saying this and maybe I'm just like not doing so well, like, you know, who knows? No, you know? but that makes total sense. It does make total sense that because of streaming, it's like we don't we don't need to follow that schedule, the release yeah, schedule anymore. Any time yeah. of year. So literally to that, that comforted me because then I, I I stressed about being there at the right time. And to, mm. to other actors, it's like actually being there at any time is OK now because mm. there are pilots going all the time. So if you're stressing, being like, oh, my God, I have to go at this time. I've missed pilot season. Don't worry, pilot season's all year round now <laughs> because of the streamers. My experience was, yeah, I think I went in person. I probably went to like only three in-person auditions, but two out of the three, I got callbacks in and like met the producers. And I went to Sony, like to they ah. didn't have me, but I went to Sony to to like meet actually like the heads of Sony because they're like, who are you? We don't know who you are. And I was like, this is exciting. And they couldn't hire me because my O1 wasn't the right kind of O1. And it was like, because sometimes here's the problem too with the O1 is they're getting, they're cracking down on this a bit more where they kind of really want you to have a green card Mm. or they want to get you the O1 and there's not enough time. There's lots of, there's lots of things. The other thing too that I should tell any new actors out there is if you're getting the O1 visa, it's only really for leads of shows. They won't hire you. You can't be hired um, for like a principal role on an O1. Mm. It has to be a lead of a show because they have to prove to the government, everyone, that they couldn't find a single person who would fulfill this role. And if it's a principal role or an actor role, they can. Yeah. So that that's just like for people to know uh, that if you're going out there, be ready that it's going to be all lead roles, which is like, of course, that's all, that's what we want to do. (laughs) Um, The other thing to kind of like, let people know, like, why is pilot season in America so exciting? And why doesn't Canada have a pilot season is because Canada doesn't do pilots. The US market and the Canadian market are incredibly different because the US market also has studios. So when we think of um, like Warner Brothers, HBO, Fox, like any like Paramount, like any of the studios, Disney, like they are the ones who are making the pilots, not the broadcasters. They are making these pilots and then showing them to broadcasters, which means there's private funding. Mm. Everything in Canada is government funded. We work through grants, we work through everything like that. And so because we don't have studios, we don't do pilots. Instead, what we do is we develop. So we will develop five scripts and be in development forever. And then we'll green light an entire show. Mm. versus they will do a pilot and then the broadcasters will watch said pilots and be like we want that one that one that one so it's a very very different ball game of how america and canada works and why pilot season is so coveted by canadians to go out there because at least (laughs) in the u.s you as an actor can participate in pilots that might not turn (laughs) into shows but you can whereas like in canada you can't participate in anything until it's 
greenlit for a show. So it means mm-hmm. there's less opportunities here too mm-hmm. for us um, mm-hmm. to just have our shot at trying something. Yeah. And getting it, getting that experience on professional sets also, like you're kind mm-hmm. of, you can be pursuing an acting career for years before you actually mm-hmm. get on a professional set and see what that career actually is like the one that you've been chasing. So even, even though in the States, if you're like, you know, okay, I went, I, I acted in this pilot, but it didn't go anywhere. This pilot, it didn't go anywhere. At least you're acting on like a Warner brothers set and you're getting yeah. to have that experience and you know, okay, next time now I know how to act with these two cameras here. I know how to find my lighting or all those things, which is like such important practice for the, for the craft too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I do wonder, part of me is like, I think there's more opportunity for people to try things in the U S because of pilot season. Mm. But then at the same time, they are really trying to sell the show. So it's usually big names that are attached in some way, but I do, Mm. it does make me think that there is more opportunity to give a shot because it's just a pilot. Mm, uh, in yeah. some ways in certain in certain things maybe also the U.S. is very primed they're always looking for the newest talent whereas Canada mm. tends to try to stick to the tried and true talent instead that's a big difference and it feels a bit hesitant like somebody feel like in in the U.S. again as somebody who's never been to pilot season it feels like in the U.S. It's very much like, I want to be the next person. Like, I want to be the person who finds that next big star. I want to be that person. And in Canada, Mm -hmm. it feels a bit more like, I don't know. I think they're good. But like, do you think they're good? If you think they're good, then I'll think they're good. Like, there's a hesitancy. And so it's it's much, I think it's when you, it can be lower stakes. So you can kind of practice more here and get those reps in. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's lower stakes. But, you know, I guess there's a ton of like pros and cons to both. There is a ton of pros and cons. I would say the difference, the big difference is the funding um, that Mm -hmm. makes that difference in business because in the United States, entertainment is a business Mm -hmm. and it's privately funded. So there's less, less people. It's just everyone at Sony going, that's a smaller group than the government and like the broadcaster and everybody else. It's privately funded so they can get more specific about what they want and like take more risks because they're a business and the Mm -hmm. business is always looking to hit the new next thing. Mm. Whereas in Canada, if we're more government funded, if we are more, we're hitting a wider range of people where a broadcaster has to think about like, this has to make sense in Winnipeg and in Toronto and in Mm. Vancouver, because we have to fulfill that everyone's taxes paid for this. We have to do all of this. There's like a general wash of like, we need this to be broader and a lot Mm -hmm. more people involved looking to fulfill a big broad spectrum versus mm-hmm. something very specific where you have one or a couple heads at Sony who are like, no, we want to do this kind of thing. And who cares mm. if it's only for Toronto? Like yeah. because of the funding and the way our system works, you can't just be like, we'll only do a show just for Vancouver in the tiny, tiny town of this town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And only they'll understand. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. Yeah. It's like in Canada, we have like one big kitchen and everybody is the chef and we all have to, un- we all have to decide like what we're making. Whereas in the U S it's like, we're just going to have a shit ton of little mini specific yes. fusion restaurants and yes. like everyone, you know, and And again, I guess pluses and minuses to both, but I think it's so, it's so important. So, so important, whether you're an actor, director, like any of that to understand those differences or just understand the market that you're working in so that you can play within that game. And I think it's really hard to find that, or it felt very hard throughout my life, like finding that information or finding reliable information. And you are just like a wealth of knowledge. Anytime I have listened to you speak or like 
your online workshop or podcast you've been on articles like anything you're such a wealth of knowledge not only about the creative process but like about this side about this business side of the industry and how how did you come to know all of these things that feels like such a stupid question because no, it's, uh, it's like a stupid question. experience and you have a ton of experience so uh, yes but like where did you start to to look for all this information yeah, I mean, that's totally fair because a lot of people can go through the same experiences and not pick up the same things. Mm. So that's a valid, very valid question. Uh, I wonder the same question. I'm like, why do I? Maybe because I find it interesting. Mm. Um, I think also from the pain of, of selling a show, yeah, of, of, of pitching and selling the show, I like really had to learn why my show was selling or wasn't selling and right. how can I keep it going? And I just was like asking every person being like, why is it going this way? And I'm just a person who's like, why? Tell me why. And I'm very interested. I guess I get to know producers a lot. And my mm. father was a businessman. My father was mm. a very good businessman. So I think it appeals to me to understand why it's happening. So I really um, every show I've been on, I've really liked talking to the producers and people to be like, why is this happening? And mm. what's going on here? And then also the the trials and tribulations of like my show Second Gen, where it was just like, okay, if I, I like we made that from scratch, having nothing in the industry to like selling it. And you learn a lot <laughs> about <laughs> the grants and everything um, in the process of making Second Gen and also my uh, Sudden Master, which was a digital series. So that's kind of how I came to learn about everything um, mm-hmm. that I that I know. I guess mm-hmm. I guess that that that's my best answer. That I I my <laughs> father was a businessman. I like business, and I um, just cried a lot <laughs> <laughs> while I was trying to sell my show. Uh, well, with okay, so in creating, and it can be second gen and or and or yeah. sudden master, like either or. Yeah. What do you think, what is the biggest misconception do you think people have about what it's like to make a TV show? And if it's for Sanjay, like making a digital series, either yeah. one. Yeah, I think that, I think the the mystique of like, oh my God, they just made this really fun internet web series and then it became a TV show. I was like, <laughs> yeah. that's not how I want at all. And every time I hear someone say anything like that about like Broad City or anything, they're like, they just came up with this show and bam, it was a TV show. Like someone loved it so much, they turned it into a TV show. I think the amount of time people think it takes to make a show, mm. um, it's much longer than anyone thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, and the process, like everyone thinks like, you're just a nobody. And then you just made the show. I was <laughs> like, no, there was a lot of thought that went into it actually. And there was a lot of planning. Um, so when I make a show, when I make anything, if I'm going to be a producer on it or, or make it, I tend to try to think about where I want it to go and what I want it to do for me. Um, I think a, th- a thing a lot of artists do, which I th- which is its own merit, but is that they make a piece of art and hope it finds an audience mm. versus know where the audience is, where it needs to go and how to get it there. So like people make a lot of great art, but it goes nowhere. Like they don't know where to put it. And they're like, oh, I've done this thing, but n- now no one's seeing it or I don't know where to put it. It's like, uh, we really specifically like for both when I made Sudden Master, I knew what was going on Omni. I knew mm. that it had to be half half Mandarin, half English. I knew that um, it had to be cultural. And like with Second Gen, we knew that we were going for our like target audience was like people in their like 
like late teens to late 20s and people who grew up as second generation, uh, like with immigrant families or were like very close to immigrant people. So like we, we knew what our target audience was and that, that meant how I pitched it as well. Mm. So it's, it's not just like, you just make a great piece of work and then <laughs> someone discovers it and it's great. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm, no. And it took a long time. Like it, and even in a, the amount of time, probably three years for us to get second gen up off, off its feet and into its first season. And that's pretty fast, um, actually. So I think that, that mistake, that mystique. That's how I also feel when people talk about actors, where they're like, mm. oh my God, they just saw him on this thing and they hired him. And I was like, yeah. no one said that he was also an actor for seven years. I like, know. yeah, they picked out this wait, this waiter who like was a nobody who had been acting probably for 10 years before that. Like, yeah, uh, just this idea that like, it just happens. I think mm-hmm. it didn't just happen um, mm-hmm. for both those things. That's, that's what I would say. Yeah. No, it, it, I, I similarly, when people say that I always want to slide in and correct, like, and it was happy. I remember specifically it was happening a lot for about Jennifer Lawrence. Like, Oh, she came out of nowhere. I'm like, she was on a sitcom since she was 14. Like yeah. it doesn't, that's not, what do you mean? It came out of nowhere. Like, no, she didn't do one movie. And then it was like, who's that girl? No. Yeah. Like, she's knew? never acted in her life. Yeah. <laughs> and, and especially because when she started, not when she started, but there was kind of like a, a, a whole kind of slew of like interviews with her that the interviewer just kept hitting like, oh, you've never taken an acting class. You've never taken it. And she was like, yeah. And they were they were painting this story like, oh, you've never acted. And I'm like, no, she didn't take a formal acting class because she was 14. Like her family moved her when she was a preteen to to start like to to go after this. So I agree this whole and and I get, I think I get the fantasy, mm-hmm. like even for people not in the industry, I think that this fantasy that you could just be plucked out and, you know, like discovered at the mall, you know, mm-hmm. and you're the next Tyra Banks or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. I think that idea resonates with like people's, you know, want to feel seen and validated and be mm-hmm. believe that they're special. And mm-hmm. I'm also, but you don't have to have someone else pluck you out of a mall to tell you're special. Pluck yourself out of a mall. Yeah. Just decide <laughs> yeah. you're special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. But yes, agreed. Because it's, it's, and it's not, you know, maybe part of it is like, oh, wish I could be plucked out of a mall. But I think the bigger part of it is that it feels like then whatever process you're in and whatever work you're doing if it's, you know, if you're in year four of trying to make your show happen, that narrative or people putting that on makes it think like, oh, well, it's not happening quick enough. So you should just stop. Oh, you, it should be easier. Yes. You're what you're doing something wrong. And it's like, no, I'm just being patient and working hard and doing what I need to do every day to make this happen. Yes. And you I know? do find I do find like for me, actually, I find it more hopeful that like Jennifer Lawrence, I didn't know that like had been acting since she was 14 because it's like, mm. oh, it could happen for you at any time. Then like you can like for us actors are just going and going and going and going. Actually, it can happen. And then you can be an overnight success. Yeah. I'm doing quote quotation marks for people who aren't watching. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that could still happen. You know, people say to Meryl, have, I've heard people say to Meryl Streep, like, why did why did you decide to like become famous in your like <laughs> in your later oh career like I didn't decide to become famous then. yeah and it's like oh it can still happen at any any time so that I find that I do find comforting and I do think you're right I think sometimes it's a jealous thing of people being like well I wish I... it's a way to like I sometimes feel like it's a way to like 
disregard someone's hard work. Yes. You're like, yeah. oh, they're so lucky. And I was like, there's not a single person that I think it was just luck. I think luck is part of, I think there does need to be a certain aspect of timing. But if that person, I haven't met a person yet who, and I've met a couple, I know a couple actors who are kind of quite well-established and it looks, has looked like it was luck, but I know exactly how hard they were working to get there. Like Simu Liu is a very good example where people are like, oh my God, he's in Marvel. It's like, Simu Liu has been gutting to be in Marvel the entire time I have known him in the Aww. way that he created his Although brand. Although it's even happier for him then. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> in his brand, his shirtless videos, everything about Simu was how to be a Marvel person. Like, I was like, <laughs> there's never been a more focused person on how to be a Marvel superhero. So, I, so when people are like, oh, it just happened. I'm like, no. It, it took years. It took years of specific crafting. Oh my God, speaking of Simu, I have this TikTok saved of him. He did like a dance with like a group for like, Reebok Adidas something uh, oh yeah I feel like I see I've seen it Samantha, <laughs> one of the most attractive things I've ever seen in my entire life I was like this needs to be saved anyway but like no yeah, surprise yeah. like I'm not the first or the a hundred thousandth person to say that he's attractive but anyway was literally watching it last night I think yeah again totally um yeah but it's so it's I think it's like yeah it's so important you say that because even you know yes like all of his acting or like all of his accolades, everything that he's putting in. It's also like you were saying, he had that specific goal in mind. Yeah, he he's did. tailoring he did. his yeah. his brand in like mm -hmm. in an authentic way of or just telling the world, hey, this is what I want. I'm just putting yeah. it out there. This is what I want. I'm gonna post a topless topless photo because I want to be in Marvel. So I'm gonna show you that yeah. I have what it takes to be in Marvel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it takes years. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I think that misconception is definitely like every every year I'm actually like dreading now. So I've been, I've been developing a show for years. It's like a, mm -hmm. it can be a running joke sometimes. And are you in like development hell, like in that way? Like a little bit. And it's like yeah, changed yeah. from like, now we're developing it in a different country than we were originally developing it. <laughs> or like it's changed. Like, guess, I'm yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. is going? Yes. So, and we've just, we've just kind of gone along with it and we're like great we'll adapt let's go yes we want to keep doing this but every kind of like Christmas comes around I'm like oh I'm gonna gather with family and they're gonna ask and I'm gonna have to give a reason as to why it's still we're still figuring still getting it made <laughs> um anyway so I I hear you of like the mystique part of it I'm like let's get that let get that to go away every time a story comes out of like it took 17 years to make Avatar I want to like send it as a newsletter everywhere yes, <laughs> like yes, and he, yeah, he had yeah. money and like clout and like yeah. all of it. And it took that long. It takes like Seth Rogen aged out of his own script and he had to get Jonah <laughs> Hill to play it. Like, you know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. anyway. So we got to all remember that. Yeah. Um, okay. So in, I'm curious in general, when you are creating your own work, speaking of creating your own work, because it takes so long, <laughs> takes years, mm -hmm. it might start out as an idea of like, oh, you know what? I want to make a TV show called second gen. Here's what it's going to be about. Here's going to be like the, the, like the true heart of the show. This is why I want to make it, why it's important. Here's my target audience. Fabulous. To find a creative partner, and whether that be like a co-writer, a co-creator, you're the writer, they're the producer, whatever it is, but this person mm -hmm. or a couple people that you are essentially going to work with for who knows how long. Like you could end up seeing this person more than some family members. Mm -hmm. This could be a decade-long endeavor. And yet sometimes you're meeting people on a set who you've known for maybe a month and you're like, do you want to create something together? It it's a weird, you kind of have to like yeah. roll with the dice sometimes. So yeah. for yourself personally... 
How do you go about choosing like the right creative partner for yourself? Yeah, I think so for Amanda and I, it was originally Amanda wrote the original quote unquote pilot or like script that we shot. And then I was going to be, I was producing it and then like co-directing it. And then we were both going to be in it. So originally it just, it melded because we both had different roles we wanted to do in what was happening. I think that's like really key in a relationship is that uh, you complement each other, that you you both like doing different things, or maybe you all you like doing all the you both like doing all the things. But at a certain point, at a certain point in the relationship, it's really helpful to talk about who does what and stuff like that. And that's something Amanda and I had to learn. And sometimes things we weren't successful at in mm. in knowing who does what and who does this and that. And that is something I bring into new relationships where it's like, okay, let's be really clear about who does what and who doesn't do what Mm. and stuff like that. Because honestly, it's two humans working together. And what happens is you can get really insecure that like, oh, this person's really good at this thing. I should also do that thing because uh, they're carrying so much, so much of the the weight uh, doing this thing. And I'm not as good as it. So I'm going to try and do it. And then you try and do it, but you're not as good at it. it, And you're embarrassed. (laughs) And you're like, oh, if we had just had the conversation that you like doing this thing, Mm -hmm. you're better at it. And I am better at this thing. Then I don't need to feel insecure that I'm not as good at you at this thing. You don't Mm -hmm. need to feel insecure that I'm not as good at you at that thing. That was like a thing, Amanda, a conversation Amanda and I had actually way later in our like creative relationship because mm. we were both feeling inferior to each other in different ways Aww. and so like I think that's like such a good conversation I take now into partnerships to be like what do you like doing mm. what do you hate doing what do you think you're good at what do you think you're bad at and then I'll tell you what I think I'm good at and what I mm-hmm. think I'm bad at and then let's kind of figure out a system mm-hmm. so that we're, we know that we're an equal partnership here we know that that's happening yeah um, and really really lay that out um so that's kind of how I navigate a partnership and how I pick a partner is I really do look for someone now in new partnerships who do things that I don't do or yeah. that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I don't like doing. Yeah. <laughs> because that's the best way to go for me that I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that you're saying that. I think earlier on in my acting career, when I wanted to create things, I went about it more as like, oh, I want to create it with friends that I love their sense of humor, that I love what they bring to the table. And I still feel yes. that way. But I kind of over the years realized like, oh, when you're creating something though, it's different. It's different like bringing somebody on set to act in a specific role, but like to create something alongside somebody. It's kind of like, you can be really good friends with someone, but it doesn't mean that you two would jive well as roommates. And it's the same thing I find with that. And one one I love those questions. I'm using all of those questions that you just said, Um, (laughs) all of those talking points. And one thing actually that I feel like with my writing partners, I learned way too late. Uh, So with this show, it's three of us and all of us write it together Mm -hmm. and is asking, how do you like to hear feedback? Like, what is your style in hearing feedback? Because it was way too late in the process that I realized I'm giving feedback how I would want to receive it. Mm-hmm. I'm giving love how I would want to feel love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's not landing in them in the mm-hmm. same way. They need different, like, and there's just different styles. For example, I I don't need, I assume that if you didn't put a note on it, you like it. If it's something that you love and you don't want it to leave a script or a pitch deck or whatever, then I assume you'll flag it and say, I love this. Don't leave, don't, don't cut this out or mm-hmm. whatever. But I don't need to know what you 
like about it. And I love notes. I love getting Mm -hmm. notes. Mm -hmm. I see them as like a a show of care that you want Mm -hmm. to help me make it better. And you're collaborating with me in a way to make it better. That's such a good attitude. I I just, I also, as an actor, like I, I love getting directed. Like my favorite part is like, direct me. And then I want to do that, you know? So but sometimes that's not, you know, uh, one of my writing partners was like, I feel like you just hate everything I'm doing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what? Let's unpack this. It's so opposite to that. And I realized they just they want to know what I like. They want to hear good job. They want like a good job sandwich, like good job. Yeah. Here's what I would change. But you're yeah. doing great. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if I disagree with that or, or like disagree. It doesn't matter if I don't need that. That's what they need. And that was another yeah. kind of question or conversation piece that I wish we had years ago. It it would have been so much easier and more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that you're different in how you like your feedback in acting versus how you like your feedback in writing or is it the same? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's the same, except I think in acting, I do like, I don't assume that if you haven't said something, you like it. In writing, if you haven't put a note, I think you want me to keep it. In acting, I will really, if you give me a note, I'll really lean into that. If you say, okay, it was great. I just want to tweak this and this. Great. No problem. I totally, I can Mm -hmm. roll with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you say, I'm kind of thinking more of this vibe, I love to really lean into that vibe and really Mm -hmm. go with that. So I think with acting, it's more helpful for me to know what do you want me to keep? Because I'm happy to throw it all out and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and do you, because I'm, I'm asking you, because I'm like, as you're talking, like analyzing yeah. how I feel and I will I'm, will totally share. Yeah. I was I like, love. do you feel more, is your, like your, your inner confidence or your inner something different between acting and writing? Like, is there one that you're like, oh, I feel more sure of myself in this way, or I feel more something in a certain way between the two as well? Yeah. It's interesting because I feel in... <laughs> I hate the sentence I'm about to say, but I love this. No, no, no. I love it. Okay. Okay. I, (laughs) hi, Samantha, who I admire and look up to. I feel inferior in most areas of my life, like most things in my life. And with acting, it's actually one of the things that when I'm like, oh my God, should I just give up? What's the point? It keeps me going because with Mm -hmm. acting, it's not even that I have an inner confidence. It's that I don't, I know I have like a set confidence in that I will get better. I know I will mm-hmm. get better. I want mm-hmm. to get better. And mm-hmm. I don't have an ego, uh, an, uh, not an ego, like an insecurity yeah. trigger yeah, with yeah. acting. Yes. I just, I know that it's where I need to be. So yeah. I don't care if I'm not good enough yet. I just want to keep getting better. Yes. Yeah. With So, so I guess when I get feedback, I don't often... Unless it's like about my body, like, you know oh, what I mean? Unless yes, it's yes. Yeah. Like, we'll somewhere. talk about being woman. Yeah. Yes. So if it's like a <laughs> yeah. respectful, legit critic, like, you know, yes. critique or, yeah. or a direction, I don't take it personally. I don't hear Amanda, you did it wrong. Do it this way. I yes. hear, oh, you have all this amazing clay. Like, what if we yeah. molded it this way? Could you try molding it this way? That's how I hear it. Yeah. I have the potential to do their direction. That's why yeah. they're giving it to me. And they see that yeah. in me with yeah. writing. I have such confidence in my ability for structure and and like an mm. editing eye. I have a very like mm. producer mind with it. But I I will sometimes get insecure about like the coming up with a million ideas or the mm-hmm. or mm. punching up the jokes. But if oh you God, need yeah. it to like tie in thematically, if you need it to like, oh, and this is also a metaphor for something you set up in act one. Like if you need it to, this isn't hitting hard enough because it's not escalating. Like I am your girl, like the strength, mm-hmm. the bones, 
I got it. So the meat on top and the sprinkles mm-hmm. that are so valid. I'm not saying they're like mm-hmm. just little sprinkles. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think if when I get notes on those, it's a little, uh, it, it could potentially be a little bit more hit my yeah. head a little bit. How, yeah. What about you? What about yeah. you when you get feedback on like writing versus acting? It could be even versus like directing if a producer, Joe Runner gives you feedback. Yeah. I so appreciate your like, your like openness and vulnerability oh. to share with that. I thought it was really nice. Cause I'll, I'll tell you, I'm terrified of writing. I feel so yeah. terrible about it, my writing. I'm, I have so much inferiority complex around my writing and uh, and like, it's not the case with acting. That's why I was asking mm. you the difference between you. So like for me, I'm the same with acting. I'm like, I feel, and I'm, I'm practicing saying this. I'm like, don't yeah. say that, but it's very like <laughs> female. It's very person of color to like, not be like, I'm good at this. Mm. But I do feel like I am a good actor. I'm not going to be like, I'm the best actor. I'm a great actor, but I do feel like I can say I'm a good actor. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, when I get feedback as an actor, because I know that to be true, I know that I should be here. I don't hear when I get a note, I don't hear you're a bad actor and that for therefore you got it wrong, yada, yada. I hear, hey, you're great. So I know you can get this right yeah. if I give you this. That's what I hear. I hear like, you're awesome. I'm going to give you this note because I know you can do it. Like, I love notes as an actor. I hope for them, right? Yeah. And, and I do. And I assume that if they move on and they haven't talked to me, that it was good. Mm-hmm. Like, because I'm like, yeah, yeah they'll, they'll tell me. Although that took a while. That took being on set for a while to just be like, okay. They, they didn't say anything because that happens and that does suck as an actor and being mm-hmm. behind camera has helped me kind of be more like oh okay uh, if they don't talk to you they're just busy and they like it so like yeah so as an actor I feel okay when I get notes I love them I feel collaborative and it's taken me a long time to even get more collaborative an, as an actor and ask for things and stuff mm-hmm. like that now but as a writer oh my gosh because I feel inferior like when I get notes and I and I I'm working on it in terms of like, I get notes and I'm like, I immediately hear you're a bad writer and that's why mm. you did this. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I know myself enough to be like, okay, that's going to be my first reaction. We'll take a deep breath and then we'll know that's not what's happening. Yada, mm-hmm. yada. But my first reaction is you are horrible. Like I need, I need the compliment sandwich right now yeah. as a writer because I'm like, I, I'm still, and it's so funny to be like, I'm a baby because I write, <laughs> I've written things. Um, but it is, it is, it's interesting to me because I was like, wow, why can't I apply the same thing? And I, it might be the, the amount of experience. I don't know, but I was also a little bit dyslexic as a kid. So English and stuff was hard for me. I just thought I was a bad writer because I can't spell to save my life or, or grammar can't do it. And so I thought that meant that I was a bad writer and I had a great English teacher who was like, writing is about ideas. It's not about those things. But sometimes people will pick on me. I think, uh, I don't know why, but like if someone wants to pick on you, they'll be like, oh, you spelled this wrong. And I'll be like, I know. Yeah. You know what <laughs> though, Samantha, rough. if you get that note, it's because they couldn't find much else. Yes. And I it's, realized it's actually their insecurity a little bit as an editor or as a whatever person yes. giving feedback. Yeah. Um, and I, t- yeah, I totally hear you. And even when you're, you know, even when you're like, oh, I still feels like such a baby as a writer, but even though I've written stuff, it might be that your skill is a teenager adult and just the confidence is a baby still. And like, that's, yeah. you know, it's, totally. I don't, it's interesting because I actually think too, like I have been, when I write by, when I write something on my own, it is actually so different. I'm realizing because I'm so like mm. tunnel vision in this, like writing the show right now, which is with two other people, it feels like that's the only thing I've, I've like, that's the only <laughs> writing I ever have and ever will do. Yeah. But when I write on my own, 
it is like I would rather get hit by a bus than have to show anybody. Like it's so <laughs> yeah, inferiority. You want to throw up. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. It's funny because like with directing, with directing, I managed to avoid um, the fear because I can really focus on other people with directing. Like when I'm mm. directing, if I get scared, I just really think about my team, how I want to take care of them, how I care about the actor. So I can put all of the focus off of myself. Mm. So even if I'm afraid, I'm like, well, you have to push through this for the actor or you have to push through this for this. So I can kind of like move through it. And I think I've done enough leadership roles that even when someone criticizes me as a leader, as a director, mm. like, okay, I don't, uh, like either is this constructive criticism that we can do to make the team better or are you just mm-hmm. mad at me? That's fine. Whatever. Like, listen, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you're just angry. You're just annoyed. You're hungry. You're tired. Yeah, you got in a fight yeah. with your partner whatever. Yeah, exactly. The best advice I was given by, and this is when I was producing, but I still hold it with directing um, something like had gone really wrong in our early, um, in that first pilot of second gen that we made. And again, we made a pilot in Canada, not knowing Canada didn't have a pilot season. Um, great. Yeah. So when all to the Canadians who are making pilots, it doesn't exist, guys. Like, um, but you can have a proof of concept and that is helpful. But mm-hmm. you don't need to make a full 22 minute. Don't don't stretch your don't stretch your dime that way is what I would say to new creators in that way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, someone said to me, listen, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. And that is, that is what I take most of the time when people get mad at me, if I'm like directing, cause everyone's going to get mad at you. If you're producing, if more people <laughs> are going to get mad at you, but if you're directing, I'm like, Hey, this is not my fault, but it is my problem to make sure my team feels, feel supported. So mm. that's kind of how I redirect it. But when you're writing, you're alone. Yeah. You're alone. And you're like pulling out your, your, your inner things. And it's so, I, I was going to say it's so great, but it's so terrifying. I, I feel like I just want to be so open about that because, mm-hmm. because I write, because I have had things produced and made that I was like, Hey guys, it's terrifying for me. I think lots of people are like, it's so great. And I keep watching other people being like, it's so great. And I'm like, really, I feel like most of my writing process is how to avoid fear. Like most of my process is like, how do I do this in a way? Usually most of the time I'm like, okay, I'm doing a garbage draft. Okay. I'm doing another thing. I just take as much pressure as I can off of myself. And then I'm like pleasantly surprised. Literally today I was like, okay, I'm going to take this script. I'm just going to write a, I we literally use the word. I'm going to write a garbage first draft. And they're like, absolutely. I'm like, it's going to be garbage. They're like, great. Like, yes, I, 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 I'm told I have a short film script. I wrote, I don't even want to say, I don't even know how long ago, truly eight years. I don't know sitting in a folder thing on my desk here. I'll never show anybody. I don't think like it's (laughs) it's wild. Like, and I, and I was trying to think even, first of all, I love that advice that it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Like to solve essentially. I was even thinking like, God, I could take that into my romantic relationship. Like not that it's my problem to solve, but like, it's not, it might not be my fault now, but I want this to be. Yeah my problem and your problem or whatever yeah, or with yeah, anybody yeah, totally. with relation friends anything but I was trying to think like yeah when you're writing it does just suck and even reading <laughs> like why does it suck I'm just like why am I then why do we want to do it like so many and even you know reading so many people that I look up to Amy Poehler or TV, so many people yeah. say like writing sucks like people are lying writing sucks or yeah. <laughs> I'm like why does everyone find this so joyful yeah why are we doing this and it's also by choice like we are choosing to be an artist you're choosing to clearly you're choosing to do yeah, that yeah, I mean yeah. unless it's like the family business and you're like oh I guess I have to but I don't think there's many yeah, I'm, it's not know. my family's I, uh, not a, yeah. yeah so I I I don't know how to 
get, I don't know where, I don't know where the difference is because I don't know, like theoretically why writing feels more vulnerable to me than acting. Like I, I don't actually know why when I'm writing, I'm alone. It's just me it, with, mm-hmm. why is that scarier or why am I judging it so much harder than when I'm just, when I'm in front of a bunch of people and I'm acting, is it, do you need that adrenaline, like that fear being with a bunch of people to like, get you out of your head? Like, I don't really know. Well, I feel like if I, okay, if I was to get, okay, let's, let's, this is fine. Let's unpack this myself. Why is it torture? (laughs) Why is writing torture with Amanda and Samantha? Let's figure (laughs) this out with our scotch. Well, I feel like with acting, even if I bear my heart and soul on camera, the Mm -hmm. rule is when you say cut, it was all fake. Even Uh, if it was real, I get to be like, that was fake. That was not me. That wasn't me. That was you know, someone else's words. Someone said, there's a rule. That was no Jen. One's gonna, yeah. That no was Zoe. That was Alex. Whatever. That was someone exactly. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. It's like, oh, I, I decided to talk about this terrible breakup I had because it was written on the page, not because I was going to talk about it. Whereas like if I write about a terrible breakup <laughs> on a page, everyone's like, ooh, <laughs> like, like anything I write, that's how I feel at least. Like anything I write, if it's good, Mm-hmm. then it's personal and I'm like oh fuck they know <laughs> like they know <laughs> like- oh my god I would write things and then never want to show anyone because I would think I don't want them to think that I feel that way or to yes. know that I feel that you way know like that it, I feel that way yeah yes. it is or even and even just working out things about yourself and you have different yes. characters and it's like am I essentially broadcasting a therapy session or like yes. scanning my diary to the internet because yes. you're right as a character, I, and I had a hard growing up, I had a hard time, like expressing my own emotions. Like I was always mm-hmm. worried it would hurt other people's feelings or I would, or I couldn't take it back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I wonder sometimes not to like pathologize my love of acting. It can just be mm-hmm. a good thing. That's not like born out of trauma or whatever, you know, ah, we're all traumatized. You know, it's fine. Like it, <laughs> yeah. But like, if it's, you know, I, I would imagine theoretically if I was a case study that like, OK, well, then it makes sense that I loved acting because it was a safe space to be angry or to be, mm-hmm. you know, especially as like a girl who, yeah, again, talking mm-hmm. about like conditioned, like don't be angry, don't be emotional, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It was a safe space to do it. And not only was it safe, but it also was like applauded. Like, great. Yes. Oh, my yes. God. Look, Everyone's like, look wow, at you really cried and, and <laughs> yeah. screamed. It's like Ann Carson has this incredible, incredible, like, little write-up she did where she talks about how actors are called actors because they act for the audience. So they were specifically talking about Greek tragedy, how, like, we go through these huge emotions in life, but because of society, there are good reasons for it. We cannot rip out our own eyes. We cannot murder our brother, and we cannot, like... <laughs> just like scream and wail, but we <laughs> desire to, and we need to. So therefore actors act for you. They take your needs and desires and they do it for you. They do the service of acting for the audience and being the conduit for people. So literally it makes sense that like why we choose to be actors. Cause it's like, yeah, we all need this to get this out. So let's get it out in that way. And it's always, I don't know, the, the service of acting then just like hits true to me in that way. And that's definitely why I started acting. I wanted a safe place to get out a lot of my emotions for sure. And in the beginning, you think it's about hiding who you are and stuff. And then later you realize it's about being who you are. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh no. You're like, oh, that was a trick. Tablecloth pulled out. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. I was running away from that. Yeah, exactly. And then with <laughs> writing, I feel like I heard someone say this and it's something I strive. I'm striving to do 
even more so now with newer stuff, which is hard, which is like, they talked about like, they knew that they had done good writing if they were, if it was so personal that they were embarrassed to show it. Like, oh, but like, what? like, (laughs) first of all, I so agree. And then secondly, it's like, why are we torturing ourselves? Why am I choosing? But it's like, I I don't want to do anything else. Yeah. Self-protection yeah. is good. Like the, yes, the, of course. also the whole idea of like, we're doing self-exploration. We're not doing self-mutilation here. And like, I think it's like, you can talk about something deeply personal, but, but, but be talking about two different aliens who are talking to each other on another planet. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yep. Who have exceptional talent. Of course. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Right. Yeah. Like you don't, it doesn't have to be like, only I probably know I'm telling myself to make myself feel better. Only yeah. I probably know how deeply personal it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, and especially I think it's hard too, because I like for both of us creating came out of, at least in part out of like a way to create acting opportunities for yes. ourselves. Yeah. So it's not like maybe we're writing stories about like a, a you know, two adults to seniors I don't know whatever we're writing it for like we're gonna play that character so it feels even more like okay I'm gonna write the words and I'm gonna say the words and it's gonna be me and we're gonna call cut and it's gonna be fake but then someone's gonna come and ask me about the story because it's my story so it's all I think all of those layers also complicate it um as well yeah and that's when having a partner is helpful because Amanda and I used to do this all the time we would be like oh no, no, that's not me. That's Amanda's thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's not me. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's Sam's thing. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that really helps because you're like, who knows whose thing it is? Like in in terms of in terms of that. But I would argue that even people who are writing about aliens are deeply personalizing it. I don't think anyone. Yes, I totally agree. No, no, I yeah. totally agree. I think that I I guess I just think maybe they have the added benefit of if they write it about two aliens mm-hmm. they could hope that maybe people don't know which one is their feelings yes, totally <laughs> totally there is an you know added stakes to when your face is also on it yeah because there's a new thing now I think of like especially they like actor creators now of mm. like the authenticity of it like we want to know that this is your true story yeah we want to know that like the the, the face behind the the words is like really related to it. So it actually part of the cell, part of the story is that it's real and it's your story and it's mm-hmm. authentic. And yeah, that's like, um, that's a whole new other thing to navigate because those people are still characters. Like at the end of the day, they are still characters in some ways. I am doing a heightened version of myself or one side of myself, which um, may be hard for people to understand sometimes, but yeah, I don't know. The whiskey's hitting my brain now. Well, and just for safety, like, just like you said, boundary safety, I think that even actors who are telling their quote unquote authentic, it is authentic, but Mm -hmm. like you said, a certain side or, or, or a feeling I'm having about a breakup, I'm going to lean into that feeling and make that like 80% of this character's drive versus maybe I feel Mm -hmm. like it's 10% or whatever. Mm -hmm. We need those, not even like actors are entitled to those boundaries. They are entitled to that safety of like distancing the character from yourself enough mm-hmm. of a way that it's not a documentary like this mm-hmm. is a scripted and yeah and we well I want to talk to you about your directing because actually I was thinking about this when we were talking about creating for acting I was reading articles about you saying like you you started <laughs> that actually for second gen you know meeting a man and stuff it was like for an indie horror film you both were like actually locked in the trunk of a car and you were like yeah. you know this has got to change like just you know yeah, when the yeah, acting yeah. roles you were getting you're like I want to 
I want something more nuanced and like me and reflective of a human, full human being. And yeah. So creating projects so that you could also, so you could tell the story, but also give yourself acting opportunities. And now that you've really dived into directing, I'm wondering mm-hmm. now when you're creating projects, are you keeping in mind to have acting opportunities for yourself or is it directing opportunities for yourself more so now or both, I guess? That's such a great question because it is, um, because it is a dilemma that I'm in or like an interesting thing to navigate now because it, it's true. Like now when I'm writing or creating a project, I'm like, do I want to be the actor or do I want to be the director? And I could be both, but I've done that. Like on second gen, I was like lead actor and director for half of season three and it killed me it's also very difficult it's just really hard because you you don't get to see what's happening all the time like when I directed on second gen and I was in every scene I I set up all the shots I did everything I did everything like pre-watching the shots but at the end of the day there's a little bit of magic when you're behind the camera watching the shot where you're like oh this would be great that, that would be great and you don't get to see that when you're on the camera so for me right now, I I do feel like I want to pick between acting or directing. That being said, though, I remember Ian McGregor. He I I went to a TIFF talk with him, and he he had done his directing debut, and he was the lead in his movie. And the one weird thing though about acting and directing is, is like you know when you're in a scene, and you're like oh shoot like or I guess when you're directing a scene and you're like oh I wish the pace was different or something like that when you're in the scene you can kind of control it <laughs> you can be like okay <laughs> I need this pace to be faster I will make the scene faster <laughs> like you can control it a little bit um so that is helpful like you're literally in there being like hmm I need this to happen I will do it um, like it's like even more efficient directing you don't yeah. have to give the direction you can just do the direction <laughs> in the moment I would yeah. never have thought of that that's so interesting yeah, it is funny, but then there's so many more downsides um, to not be able to see it. So I think most of the time now what I'm doing, because I am trying to grow, like right now in creation, I w- I'm gearing more towards directing, but I want to do a Taika Waititi where I always give myself a small role to act in just mm-hmm. to remind people that I'm an actor as well. Totally. Because I was like, how do, because when I look at people's careers that I really like, I look at Taika Waititi, I look at Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, where I'm like, okay. They are creators and actors. Like you would, you're equally happy to see them in something and, and that they've created something. So I'm like, how did they do that? How did they make me love both? And all of Taika's stuff, he makes an appearance in, in some way, some small way. So that's kind of the way that I'm trying to do it is like, I don't want to fully leave acting. So I just want to write myself a good small role where I can act in it show my face and then, and then direct the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And there can be such freedom in that of writing like, oh, it's this fun, wild character. Maybe you don't want to play for a whole season. Maybe you don't want to play for a whole feature, but it would be fun mm-hmm. to play it for a couple scenes or one yeah. scene. And yeah. then you're also just for your own love of acting. You're getting to do that as well. I think yeah. that's so wonderful. Well, I think one thing, and actually I just spoke with this with director and cinematographer Jay Stevens. I don't know if you know them, but on an episode where we were just talking about directing for TV versus directing for film and Mm -hmm. that what a lot of people don't know is that with TV, with a film, a director will direct the whole film, but Mm -hmm. with TV shows, and of course I'm not telling you this, Samantha, um, but with TV shows, 
they'll have different directors for each episode. Like oftentimes a director will only direct one episode in the season. Sometimes they might pop in for a couple episodes, but you know, very often you're popping in and you're doing one episode. So it can be, it's, it's a very different experience. And that's why, and actually you, you reminded me of this quote in a podcast that you talked about. That's why they say that TV is a writer's medium that like they're getting kind of more of a say in the story mm-hmm. and how it's told. And that film is a director's medium because that's they're really getting getting to craft that. So I have never pitched myself to direct on a TV show mm-hmm. and or on a series or anything. And I'm so I'm so curious, what is the process like? Like, what are the steps like in pitching yourself to potentially direct on a TV show on an episode of a TV show? So mostly what you what you do is you're you're sitting down um you watch the show mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you, you watch the show and then talk about like what you would do like what you see what you liked about it and what you would do if you were if you were directing on it it was a funny thing cuz i also wondered this too i was like this is the first time i've pitched to direct on someone else's show um especially like when like it's an established show with an already an aesthetic so then it becomes like they like they ask me, like, what would you bring to the show? Because you can't totally change the aesthetic of a show. No, or even the tone, or you can't fully change the characters. You know, you need to work within the world of the show. And then, of course, what? But then they're yeah. still asking you, well, what are you uniquely going to bring to the table? And it's like, nothing. I'm going to keep it the same for you. I'm going to keep it exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna yeah be exactly so same, yeah. I try to pick out like my favorite things that I liked about it and what my version of that would be things that I think the show does well that I could help bring out. I mean, often I talk because I'm particularly um, connected to actors, like how I feel like I can really get like comedy and, and dialogue to pop off the page and I can do it quickly. And certain, um, scenes like I I they I got asked a really great question in an interview once of like what's something you would do different in an episode that you saw oh and I was like that's a great question and like that's really awesome to talk about like I saw this and I thought I was great but here's what I would have done like I think that's a really interesting thing that I would take in it was very funny like in one of my interviews they're like well you did a great job interviewing yourself (laughs) like like I just come in, I come in guns blazing me like, here's what I do. Here's what I'm good at. This is what I need to do. <laughs> in the end, they like introduce themselves and they're like, great job interviewing yourself. Mm-hmm. Let <laughs> us know if you hired yourself. Like, let us yeah, know if you yeah, got the job. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what was it like for directing Lady Ada's Secret Society? Because you directed the whole series, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that wasn't a show that already, ha- that it was the first season. So like you mm-hmm. didn't have any show to already watch um and you were gonna do the whole thing so it's not even like you could kind of research what other directors are they interviewing what are they going for like what was that process like yeah I mean that's my favorite process right like that's I feel like that's what the director wants right because then you have a say in the actual look of the show and so that was a conversation with Shannon Fuster who was the creator to be like okay I'm seeing because her her script is very heightened it has like a very heightened, it's about girls playing pranks, using coding and technology with a secret clubhouse. <laughs> and I was very inspired by Matilda, like the, like a roll down Matilda kind of thing. They also like Shannon and Andrew, um, who was a cinematographer, they really loved a series of unfortunate events, how like that was shot as well. And so I looked at that. Obviously, if, any, if anyone watches Lady Ada's Secret Society, I love Wes Anderson a lot as well. So it was a choice of, it was so great. Cause I'm like, Oh, we get to make a real choice about this show, which was the aesthetic is very 
Wes Anderson in terms of like, we're using the full picture. We're using the full thing. So like when you look at a screen, sometimes you can see, and it makes it very beautiful where like the background is kind of blurred out and you're just looking at the person in front, but like in something like Wes Anderson, where you're like, oh, I want to see everything. I wanted to see the symmetry of everything. That's what I want to see. That was what we planned to do because we also knew we were going to have a set that was really beautiful. We had the old mill in Toronto. So it's like, great, like let's use this set. And then let's also do, uh, to make it feel even a little bit more heightened is you get a really wide angle lens and then you make a close up with it. And it kind of creates just a slightly warped viewpoint that makes it feel like the Wes Anderson things, like Matilda, where where there's just a bit of a warping to it that it, it feels a bit more cartoonish. Um, and I did a lot of, this might come from my theater background. I did a lot of tableaus. Like I, 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 I really wanted to be like, all right, I want you in the front, you in the back, you're doing this. Cause I'm used to painting a picture with like just what's on stage. And on top of that, for time wise, I knew I wasn't going to be able to do a ton of close-ups. And so I, I rely as a director on my actors and being able to direct my actors. So sometimes, a lot of times, if I'm running out of time, or even if I'm not running out of time, and I just really love the banter that's going on, I want a good shot where I see all the actors. And I want there to be interesting blocking for them. So like that, that really dictates how I um, create the picture in my, in my show. So that was a big thing with uh, Lady Ada's, is that we wanted... We wanted to create a heightened world and we did that by using a lot of wide angle lenses, a lot of painting in the whole background and picture. And then a lot of like, kind of like these paintings, like this look of how things were going to look in, in a certain way that kind of is very Matilda-esque. It's such a, it's such an amazing like combination, even when you're talking about pitching for the shows or like how you wanted to create the vibe and the world of Lady Ada's like it's such a wonderful combination of creative and logistical of like, if I'm short on time or like, I know that I can get, I can get the dialogue to pop quickly. Like, I love that. I think that is such a specifically director's vision. And it's just really, it's really cool. I find so often I'm split. Like if I'm thinking producer brain, then I'm thinking of the logistics. And if I'm thinking writer brain or actor, I'm thinking more of the creative. And I just, it's so fun to hear the world where they like all kind of swirl together. Am I having to, like, clearly I have been having a bit of my drink too. I'm like, they just swirl (laughs) together. And it's like this beautiful monologue with an Excel spreadsheet. And I'm just in love. Totally. No, but that's why I actually really have found that I I love directing and why I, I part have been like oh everything has led to this because I get to use my knowledge of acting writing and producing to be a good director like oh it all comes together to make me a better director like it makes me a better actor too and a better writer and producer to know all the things but for sure I found that it's nice it's the it's where everything really melts together for me oh my god I could hear you talk about it forever um so to end off our episode, I like I'm calling them rapid fire questions. I like to do rapid fire questions, but they're not fast. I hate the word rapid. And now I just look, I need to stick to it for the season. Okay. But it's essentially like a collection of questions that don't follow a theme together. They're just like, I would love to ask Samantha this. Oh, I'd like to ask her this, too. So oh, that's super fun. Do you want me to try and keep them short and succinct so they feel kind of rapid fiery? Oh, God, I love you like that. You're asking me that. It's <laughs> so wonderful. Um. <laughs> No, no, I don't need them to be succinct. No, okay. no. You give All whatever right. answer you would like. Yeah, I was about to give you a non-direction of like, you give me, the, but, and I'm like, no, that's not good direction. 
you just answer them like they're normal questions and just know that the transitions between them, there is going to be lacking. There's going to be no transition between Okay, them. cool. I will yeah. try to, in the effort of rapid fire, though, not think about it too much. I'll say like the first thing that comes out. Okay, that's great. Yes. The only thing that I want to be quick is between the end of the question and your yeah, answer. Yes. Like no, like, no, yeah. um, it, no, like processing. Hmm, this is what I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and you're yeah. like, I don't think I should say that, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So my first one for you is, I know you are a huge fan of musical theater. Yeah. And so if you could only watch one musical for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, no. Hamilton. That was the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah, that was the first thing, one that came to my mind. I also love Hadestown as a newer one. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? I'll let you watch both of them for the rest of your life since you answered so quickly. <laughs> okay. You get, the, you, you, you get a reward. You are, and again, I'm not saying this for you, but for listeners and viewers, you are a trained martial artist and your family has a longstanding tradition and history in the martial arts, Great research. which was so cool to learn about in my, re- oh, thank you. Well, honestly, <laughs> it was such a pleasure to learn about in my research. It was so cool. I could ask you an hour long just about that. <laughs> what is one of the biggest gifts that martial arts has given you? Uh, discipline uh, is the first thing that was the first thought in my mind. I was like, Sam, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the actual, okay. But like, I was like, I just said the word discipline, but I was also like, no, no. I, I know I could see in your face, that. like discipline question mark in my face. Yeah, no, actually, I think my martial arts actually is something that brought me back to my culture. Um, a lot more before that, when I was a kid, I was pretty actually resistant. I was like, I don't want to be Chinese. <laughs> I was just like, really like, it was part of, it was my rebellion against my parents. And then when I found martial arts, which martial arts has run in my family, I was like, wait, this is pretty cool. Everyone wants to do martial arts. And I have the benefit of like being related to a family and being very close to the martial arts family. And then that got me back into the traditions of my culture. So that's something I really appreciated. And then there is, um, and the, and the way that like uh, an old fashioned martial arts school does, it's not structured. It's not like, here's this lesson and here's this lesson. Like you learn what you're, you need to learn when you're supposed to learn it. And the seafood decides when you're ready to learn the next bit. And it's very intuitive and it's very intuitive in also listening to the body and what it needs to do. And so like, it really helps me um, trust something other than my mind. Oh, which you're using here in the rapid fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So I guess uh, discipline was the right answer because sure. that's what you had learned that you just have to yeah. go with your gut and trust your gut and who you, yes. Oh, wow. That is truly, I actually think that in the years of me in therapy, like that is one of the main things that I have been like, not, not working on, I should say, but that's one of the huge gifts is like hearing, I came into therapy being like, I don't have a gut. I, I don't have, when people say, listen to your gut, she's <laughs> yeah. gone. I've ignored her for so long. She doesn't yeah, even yeah. whisper anymore. She's reading yeah, a book yeah. in a cave. Like she doesn't talk to me. Yeah. So yeah. help me get her back. Like, what do I do? So I just, and I'm just sharing that because truly I think that gift is something that like cannot be underestimated. That is such an incredible gift. Totally to be given so totally and I think therapy is the best everyone should do it (laughs) please do it I feel like speaking of government funding yeah agree let's fund that please um everybody it would make such a it would make everything better economy if you want to be making money economy everything everything would be so much better which actor and I okay so I should preface I feel like this answer there's going to be a million in your brain and so which are what is one of the many many actors that you would love to get to direct one day (gasps) Wow, that's not where I thought it was going. Oh, 
Because my brain was already trying to think of lots of things. I thought you were going to ask which actor do I like or a career to be like, who do I want to get? Oh, no, Miss Director. Yeah. Also, sometimes I preamble for a fucking hour. So, yeah, no wonder your brain was like, where, what, where are we going to go? No, it was just cheating. It was cheating. It was cheating. It wasn't a. <laughs> It wasn't allowed. You need to do your martial arts. You don't. You don't need that. You don't need to cheat. Um, it's so funny. Okay, so my brain actually goes immediately to my brain goes immediately to went first to like Taika Waititi, Ryan Reynolds, like creators because I'd like to have the collaboration of creation with them. I don't. I, I. Yeah. I guess that's true. Like I was like, yeah, because I'm also an actor creator, so I'd love to see how they navigate being an actor creator on the other side of it and so that's something that is really interesting to me I want collaboration but then at the same time like I also then the next person that came out was Lupita oh gosh no how do I pronounce her uh, last name Nuanga yeah oh no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. am I saying it right now <laughs> wait <laughs> no, Lupita Nuanga yes because she's a fantastic actor and I would love oh, to yeah. work with her is another is another person that I would love to also work with that's the other that's the other name that came to my mind. Just be like, ooh, what is it like to work with like a racehorse in that way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll reward you. You get all three. Okay. I'm you so get all excited. three. <laughs> no, that's what you're gonna go to do next week. I just give I, like somehow yeah. I'm like, here you go. Um, it would be cool if you directed like a, a movie or a show or a- anything where like your whole cast was actor creators. Yeah. Where we would all fight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's the too many cooks in the kitchen thing. Maybe, yeah, yeah. possibly, I mean, maybe, possibly, but maybe, maybe, maybe it'd be great. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting. That's fun. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah, you had shared that um, one of the pilots that you had auditioned for, I believe, was Yellow Jackets. Is that right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. You had mentioned you auditioned for Yellow Jackets, and what was, and that you thought it was so cool to then get to see, like, watch the pilot on screen, mm-hmm. and that it's such a cool kind of experience to be able to audition for a show and then get to see what it actually ends up like. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it's nothing about what you pictured. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, what's another pilot or show? Um, and if you don't feel comfortable or not able to like name the title, that's totally okay too. Mm-hmm. That when you ended up seeing it on screen, it was totally different than what you imagined or really surprised you in some way. I don't have an immediate answer for that. Uh, yeah, that one's not really a martial arts worthy. Like that one's a hard one. It's <laughs> a great question though. Like what is one that I was like, wow, that is completely different from what I thought it was going to be. It's just going to take yeah. me a second to remember. No problem. I mean, Yellow Jackets is one that I was like, how is this going to work? They're doing like <laughs> young girls and then older versions. And in the, when I auditioned, they were doing they were keeping the same actors for the young girls and the older version. Like oh, what really? happened is that they casted separately, which I think was wise. And the character I auditioned for doesn't exist. <laughs> so I was like, what is the tone of this? What is this going to be? And like, this seems weird. A girls soccer team. How is this going to be interesting? And I was like, <laughs> wow, it's great. I love the show so much. So like, I guess that I, by default, because that's when you said, I was like, oh yeah, that was when I was like, super like, wow, that was I did not know how that was going to go. I was not interested in the girls soccer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like thing. Screw that. And I was like, wow, this got dark and really great. It can be so I think about this like from getting auditions, but then also in creating stuff when I think about other people auditioning for it. It is so hard to audition for a new show because it's not just the character on an island like these creators have envisioned this whole world these parameters that certain joke like jokes will work here and certain jokes won't won't 
I can't even talk now. Hmm. Won't. Um, and you can do, of you know, of course, and for like, you know, people listening and watching, like you'll do a bunch of research. You can often see who the director is or who the production company is or or who the network is, like all of those things. And you you get all of your clues from that. But, yeah. you know, then I think about being a creator on a show and being able to like, for example, improvise on set even, or as yeah. a, as an actor coming in and trying to improvise, it really is so difficult sometimes to understand like, what is the tone of this new show? Yeah. I have a great answer for you. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. No, 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 no. Your face got, <laughs> I got, oh my God. I was so excited. Okay. Your face lit up. I loved it. Okay. Tell me. I auditioned for an unknown, untitled, no context, Jordan Peele movie which ended up being nope. Wait, so did it say Jordan Peele or no? Yes. So I knew it was his movie and then no context. So I, they're like, we're going to get you to audition for it. No, they didn't say Jordan Peele. Someone had figured it out for me. Okay. They're like, that's the Jordan Peele movie. And I was like, oh, okay. No context. You do not get, you don't, you don't even get a script. You don't even get the real script. They give you an old script. I think it was like Boy Meets World. They gave me like a no. scene from Boy Meets World. And they're like, <laughs> we want 90s sitcom, like laugh tracks sitcom. And like playing a Korean mother. And I was like, I have no context. Like what could possibly, <laughs> what could this possibly be? Like there was nothing, there was no context of what Nope was going to be. Nope was not out at the time when they were doing auditions. Like there was no even like Jordan Peele is making Nope and it's about this. I was like, what could this 90s sitcom possibly be? That's the thing. You know that he's not making a 90s sitcom. So you're like, yeah. is it? Is it a comment on 90 sitcom? Is it going to be a spoof, a parody? Is it going to be the whole story? Is it going to be part of it? Are we going to do flashbacks? Yes. Like what is, I wonder if you finding out the Jordan Peele thing, I wonder if that helped or hurt. Like, did that actually help you or did that just add pressure? I totally went left field and like, was like 90 sitcom. Great. I'm going <laughs> to go really broad acting. And then also I put in a laugh track. I remember I paused and put in a laugh track. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was, and I, and like the, the casting director really liked it. Obviously I didn't get the role, but like now seeing Nope, I was like, yeah. what the fuck was the role? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, and I, I actually think it was really cool that he, he casted white parents in the end because it's again, weird commentary on it, but it would have been for the actor parents when they were doing the sitcom where the, the boy with the monkey. And so it was so nuts to see like, what is the context of this scene? Like, what, what is it? I don't know where the context of this scene, where's there a 90s sitcom where people are laughing? Like, and then I saw, no, that is so, that's so interesting. Even like thinking like from the casting side of when they are casting those characters, it's like, well, what do we, I guess that is the, if I'm the, I'm thinking, I guess that is the direction that we give the actors is like, play it like a 90s sitcom. Cause you're in a 90s sitcom, but then add on Jordan Peele and that it's a movie that's going to be released in 2022, 2021. Mm. I can't remember. 2022. Mm. The poor actors auditioning. I feel like that yes. just does it. It's wild. Like, what is this a joke? I'd be like, is this a prank? Like what's going on? What are we yeah. using this for? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've gotten ones for star like that were that we suspected was star Wars as well. I have not figured out what that was for. Like, I was like, no oh idea. God, it's I, so different. It's, it's like, I don't even know. It's so radically wow. different. So radically unknown. I can't even guess what project <laughs> this was. This one was for. Like, wow. so that was an interesting moment with, with Nope. I was like, this yeah. was Nope. Oh, it was for that scene. Like, 
crazy. Wow. Oh my God. I'm so glad you thought of that one. Yeah. I was like, that was this is fun. fun. Yeah. That was a great one. Well, the way that I like to end these episodes is I'm trying to get better at asking for what I want, putting it out there in the universe. I feel like you're very good at this already, which I'm going to, I'm going to let it rub off on me. And so I like to end these with allowing my guests to kind of put out there, like, what's something you'd like to put out in the universe? What's something you'd like to manifest? Whatever wording feels authentic to you. Um, Maybe somebody listening can give you that opportunity or give you that thing can be personal or professional. What is something you would like to put out there that you'd like? Oh, I love this. Um, okay. So the <laughs> thing I'm manifesting right now is yeah. I, I want to book a, a lead on a big show, like a cable show, like an HBO show, like something bigger, specifically like big enough <laughs> that I don't have to audition as much anymore because what I'm finding really difficult with acting and directing is like when I'm directing, I can't be auditioning. So when I finish directing, I got to like audition a bunch to maybe get an, an acting role where it's like, if I, was established enough so that I could be directing and then offered roles then to act. And therefore I could juggle acting and directing a little bit more easily. That is the, that is the engine that I want my life to have. And I hope when we talk again in the future, I'm like, I got it. The engine is happening now where it's like, I'm directing. And then I know that I'm going to be acting after I'm directing, but that can't happen currently because I'm still audition. I still need the time to be auditioning so whatever role I book I want it to be big enough to start that engine for me yes absolutely to go to offer only Samantha is on offer only yeah, no more auditioning yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I want and I probably also want a feature to do um, a film festival tour and just to establish more of my voice as a director and that's something I'm working on so mm-hmm. hopefully we'll talk about that well <laughs> honestly I mean I have no doubt that it will happen the last podcast I listened to you on which was or no, I guess I listened to one from earlier this year, but the one I listened to from 2019, you were acting being like, I would really like to get into directing. And then fast forward to a couple of years later, we're talking and I'm like, oh, you directed half of the final season of second gen. Oh, you directed an entire se- series, which we talked about lady Ada's secret society, a Hallmark movie, a TV movie. I'm like, oh, I guess when you say you're going to do something, you do it. Like, it ends up, <laughs> you're doing it. So I don't doubt. Let's check in in six months even. And you'll be like, oh, sorry, can I move our Zoom lunch date? Because actually I'm shooting this, this I'm a lead in this HBO series. And then later I'm going to go do a meeting where I'm directing a film that's premiering at Con, can, yeah. do you say con or can? What do you say? Oh my say? God, either or are fine. I say both and I, I waffle, who knows? But I like, waffle so hard. So and now hard. that I know it's on recording, that's why I'm like, can, con, I don't know. Who cares? I think anyone who cares? who's being picky about that, I'm like, you're being, you're being insecure about something else then, dude. But like- Right? It's the yeah. editing thing. They're yeah. just saying you spelt it wrong. A hundred percent. Who cares? And who cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. And it's like, uh, the one tip I was given to about manifestation was like act like it's already gonna happen act no not that it's gonna happen act like it's already happening and that is like hard but that's something that's something I'm like yes it's already it's already it's already happening and for the first time I feel like I do feel that I'm like no it's already happening yeah but yeah it's constant what's yours I want to get in more writer's rooms as story coordinator or writing assistants because Mm -hmm. I want to see how other people make their machines happen. Mm. And you know what? If I'm really, really uh, truthful, I want to get like a lead in a show here, like a comedy. Absolutely. I want to be a lead in a comedy show in Toronto 
And then it can be separately or together with that. I want to write. Yeah. I would like to be helping other people make their project where I'm not the one everyone's asking questions to. And that feels yeah. silly. It felt silly to say, so I didn't say it for a long time. But I think there's just so much to learn about watching other people like lead the ship, pilot the plane, no. whatever. Oh, there's so much to learn. So much. Yeah. yeah. And I feel so fortunate yeah. that I'm like, I ended up in a position where I'm getting to develop a show. And similar to what you're saying, like you, you, it is a crash course. Like you learn so, so, so much. But also yeah. I'm learning how me and these other two people would make something and how we would break a season with these specific producers. And like, and you learn about their leadership. Like it's so, yeah. so great. It's, yes. it's funny that it's, I love that you're like, you're like, oh, you were like not saying that because you're like, it sounds silly. And mm -hmm. I was opposite. I was not saying I want to be a lead in a show because I felt like Sam, like that's, I don't know. Is, is it egotistical? Is it too, too much? Or it's like, you have no control over that or be more realistic. But it's like, no, I want, uh, I, I want to get more specific. I want to lead. I want it. And I want it to be not comedy. Like I want it minimal dramedy or drama, like is what, it's what I want. And it feels crazy to be like, I want a lead of an HBO show. <laughs> no, but I feel like we <laughs> like, have like, to say it. No, yeah, it does feel stupid. You know what is the okay? Here's the one that I want that feels the most shameful. Oh, I love like, it. let's just say I'm sweating so hard right now. The best. Okay, I I have been, I've been doing like I'm committing myself full time to acting for ten years, almost ten years, nine mm -hmm. and a half years, and I am still non-union, and that is something. Mm -hmm. And there could be a million different theories as you know what this is my own insecurity being like having to follow up with why. Yeah. Yeah. Because the shame is like, oh, well, it must be yeah. because I'm not good enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know there's a hierarchy of union and non-union and sometimes it doesn't matter and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm working on that bit of like, yeah. it's not, it's part of it is still because I want to feel validated in a way, but I also yes. know that the part that wants that once I become union, it will just thirst for something else. It's never going to quench Absolutely. that. So that's something I got to figure out in therapy. Yeah. Um, but the other side of it is that being non-union right now especially in the last like year or so is actually preventing me from work. Yes. It's from getting the bigger things. Yeah. yeah. And like friends who are create, I think it's preventing me from auditioning for things. And that's mm -hmm. my theory because I'm mm -hmm. in the non-union pool. Yeah. Um, but also because like I have friends or fellow actors who are fellow creators who are creating things who say, Hey, do you want to audition for this role for this show I'm making? Or like, Hey, could you come in for a day and do this? And I can't because mm -hmm. yes, they're you so because they're union shows, yeah. but they're at the budget that doesn't allow for a non-union to purchase yeah. a permit to work on it, which I totally understand. And the union yeah. is doing what they should be doing, what I would yeah. want them to be doing for me, yeah. for protecting union actors. Yeah. But that's something I carry so much shame every time someone's like, You're union, right? I'm like, oh, Yeah. And I, I feel it's be, so, so cool that like you did you say and you don't want to be or now you want to be and I want to be absolutely right. yes I, I feel like that's be. so amazing for you to share it because like I feel like I so I have a really I have a friend who's also non-union mm -hmm. and has been acting for many years and has been quite successful as a non-union mm. person and honestly they just chose not to be non-union for a while because they were doing stuff and they were booking yeah yeah and they're like mm -hmm. this is better for me like I'm booking more by being non-union mm -hmm. and and now they want to be union. And there's something also, too, I think of a category of like a lot of good actors who are non-union actors who then stay non-union for a long time. And now they're like, how the fuck do I get in the union? <laughs> like, oh, it's really a and thing. There's so I, much I, yeah. like stuff going on now, which I'm sure, you know, and like there's and like not to get into like details and stuff, but there's just a lot of like political stuff yes. going on yeah, for viewers is, yeah. and listeners that 
are also it's essentially preventing union actors from getting union work and non-union actors from potentially ever getting into the union like it's, yes yes so yeah it always feels like just really bad yeah. timing for me and whenever I make a shift or make a pivot yeah. or whatever yeah. and so if I say the number one goal right now it's that it's get in the union I want to be a lead in a comedy show here in Toronto yeah and I want to get into more writers rooms and I don't even need my ideas to be on the page I just want to be there and be of service and and in return like absorb the learning have you looked into Anthony Farrell's um showrunner uh course Oh, no, I don't think so. I'm trying to think. Tyra Sweet had mentioned something. Maybe. You should look have... into that because he's okay. a great showrunner and he's running a course on how to be a showrunner. And you get to, I think, I believe you get like in-room experience, like not necessarily on his shows, but he like, I think simulates that in some way. So that's, you should look into that. So I thought he did a showrunner boot camp for BIPOC creators or not even creators. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we've and said creators so many BIPOC times. Writers. Yeah. BIPOC writers. Thank you. Yes, Creators yeah, yeah, just like the right. word that's coming out. So I know of that one, um, yeah. which I yeah, would not apply to. And like yes. that, yeah, yeah. And rightfully so would not apply to, but his yeah. name, I currently, oh my God, now I'm just being, is this the drink? I'm being really transparent with you. I, I have a it. list of like, these are the people I want to reach out to. I'm like, yeah. Hey, do you need a story coordinator? His name has popped up many times from other people. Yeah. Um, but it's like, Hey, do you need help making your dreams come true? I sound so creepy. No, I want to help that. I think I you learn should. More. Like that's yeah. brilliant because a lot of people don't send those emails, and a lot of women don't send those emails. So, like, I think being like, "Hey, do you want to? Do you need a story coordinator?" And they might say no, but then be like, "Hey, can we have a coffee?" <laughs> and then be like, and then you can ask them, "How do I become a story coordinator for you?" Then, like, eventually, like, what do you need? What do you need in that way? Like, that's what I would also say to people. People tend to stop at the first no, mm -hmm. but give them, give them like two options. Totally. Yeah. That it seems like a, like, seems like a, um, oh my God, like a rejection. That's the word I'm looking yes. for, that they take yeah, it as yeah, a rejection, yeah. which I totally get. But I think it's funny, the more story co coordinator, <laughs> can't even talk now, the more story yeah. coordinators that I talk to, the more. I've heard people be like, oh, yeah, but I couldn't finish the show because I got a gig on this or because I booked a show on this. And so someone had to come in and replace me. And I I was just like looking around and trying to figure out who to replace me. And so yeah. if it's a no the first time, I'm like, OK, great. If you need a replacement, I'll email you in six months to remind you to just be like, hey, do you need anybody now? Or like, hey, what what are you looking for? What can I do? To yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and get that FaceTime with them where you talk to them so that they feel like they know you, because most of the time I feel like those positions are more likely to go to people when they feel like they know them, especially for the last minute I got to call somebody. Right. They'll right. remember you better. Yeah. Thank you. That's that's such a good point, especially for story coordinator. I feel like it is so much about how you work and who you are. Yeah. Because you're not, anyway, yeah, sometimes you're writing a script, but I just mean that it's so much about. Are you a good support? I think you've got to be a good support to be a good story coordinator. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's something you can feel out when you're chatting with someone more so than email, faceless mm -hmm, email. So mm -hmm. especially if you're coming with good questions, good things to talk about, like you're prepared, you can really show someone how prepared you are. The art of the coffee date is a real big thing. And like, don't go and just being like, help me with anything. Like, go yeah, very specific people like mm. it's, a, it's a thing. The art of the oh, the art of the coffee date. I you have so many wonderful nuggets of wisdom <laughs> truly <laughs> like I could be chatting with you all night long I so appreciate you 
doing this with me and listeners and viewers don't know this, but I had to reschedule to bring my little senior dog to the vet and you were just so gracious about it. And from my research of you secretly, I kind of knew that you would understand, but still (laughs) I was like, like, if it's going to be any guest, it makes sense. It's Samantha. She's going to totally understand, Um, but it's still an inconvenience. So thank you so much. And it's so nice to officially meet you now. Yeah, no, this is so great. Thank you for doing so much research and like such great questions. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. You should not, this is not a situation you should have to come in and interview yourself. So I should be researched (laughs) and know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Liquid Courage podcast. If you like what you heard and you're looking to support the show, here's a few ways you can help. You can leave the show a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at Liquid Courage Podcast. Or, and best of all, you can tell a friend about the show. Tell a family member, tell a coworker, post about your favorite episode online, spread the word. That really is the best way to help support the show and help it grow. Did I just rhyme? Okay, until the next episode, cheers. <laughs>